You're listening to the Illustration Hour podcast, an interview podcast where I talk to illustrators, art directors, and agents about the craft and business of illustration. My name is Julia Dufosse, and I'm an editorial and commercial illustrator based in Chicago. And I'm chatting with creatives within the world of illustration to learn about their process, the challenges they faced along the way, and how to succeed as an illustrator today. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Illustration Hour. I'm your host, Julia Dufosse, and this week I'm joined by the illustrator Haley Tipman. You can find her on Instagram at Haley Tipman. That's H-A-L-E-Y-T-I-P-P-M-A-N-N. Or on her website, which is HaleyTipman.com. Haley is an illustrator based in Koblenz, Germany, who loves to draw people. Haley's signature style of drawing, an observational, organic, and extremely expressive style, has earned her commissions from clients like the New York Times, the New Yorker, Culture Trip, and Vice. While she's always drawn, uh, Haley's specific style of illustration really grew out of her love for the iPad Pro app Procreate. Now, well into her career, Haley has developed a way of working with Procreate that mimics traditional media. So I asked Haley about how she ended up becoming the illustrator she is today, what motivated her to study illustration, and how she developed her style over time. Of course, we chat about Haley's tips for using Procreate, what brushes she uses, and uh, what tricks she has to optimize some of the built-in brushes that come with the program. Listening to this recording as I edited it, I was reminded of the importance of drawing what you like and resisting the urge to constantly emulate or copy success. That's what Haley did to build a career around what she enjoys doing, and it has paid off big time. So without further ado, I hope you will enjoy my conversation with Haley Tidman. Hi, Haley. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I I don't know. Where are you currently located, actually? I wasn't sure. Um, I'm in Koblenz, Germany. It's um, maybe about a couple hours away from Frankfurt. Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I do, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Is it it a small place or is it kind of... I'm not familiar with that place in particular. Um, Well, it's not as big as someplace like Berlin or Frankfurt. It's... It's definitely not a tiny city. I used to live in uh, Weimar when we first came here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that was really small. Like, they only had one main, like, shopping street and some stores. But this is definitely a little bit bigger. I'd say it's like a smaller Cologne. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I, I'm i really happy that you, we could finally talk and... Uh, yeah, I, I wanted to ask you uh, if you could describe what you do and especially how you describe what you do to people who have no idea uh, about creative jobs in particular. So maybe like a neighbor or somebody at a dinner. Yeah, so when somebody asks me what I do, I tell them I'm an illustrator and they usually ask, oh, like children's books or, you know, what is that? And then I have to explain like, 
you know, have you ever seen those illustrations in the newspapers and magazines? And they're like, oh, yeah. And I don't think anybody really gives any thought to them. They're just kind of there. And um, it's always, I think it's really interesting for them to think about that then. Yeah. Do you, is the the town where you live, is it kind of like a creative hub or is it kind of rare for people to have creative professions? Um, I would say it's pretty rare. <laughs> I yeah. haven't I haven't met anybody here who's also an artist, I guess, and I haven't really branched out. But I mean, there are a couple of art galleries, um, but I haven't really seen like a illustration scene. Not like something you'd see in Frankfurt or Berlin or something. Definitely not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know about Frankfurt, but Berlin certainly has like a huge illustration community. Uh, yeah, it's, it's one of the biggest in Europe, I'd say. Definitely. Yeah. So, but originally you're from um, New York, right? You're from Rochester or, or or New York State, at least. Yeah, I I just say I'm from Rochester because it's easier. But um, I'm from Webster, New York. But no one knows uh-huh. what that. It's like a suburb, you know, of Rochester. It's not really Rochester, <laughs> um, but okay. it's it's really right on Lake Ontario. Um, really close to Toronto, so that's where I'm from. I, I also read originally that you went to school for 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 graphic design. Is that right? Right. So um, I had lived in Germany before, from 2011 to 2014. And then my husband and I we moved back to um, Rochester, and I really wanted to continue with school, so I went to. Monroe Community College, um, and I had there were a few options there. I could have done fine art, commercial illustration, or graphic design. Mm-hmm. Um, and I chose graphic design because of the classes that were required. I didn't want to have to like if I did commercial illustration, the classes that were required weren't as I don't know they weren't involved as much with like Adobe programs and whatnot. And I felt like I really wanted to learn that. And um, it was more of a, how much will my grant cover? And do I want to really take extra classes just so I can Mm -hmm. say, uh, you know, studied commercial illustration? (laughs) Yeah. So it was a very strategic kind of choice. Yeah, definitely. So did you, did you have it in your mind that you were going to be an illustrator? Um, I, I'm going to be honest, I don't really think I put like a lot of thought (laughs) before going. I mean, I was also, you know, I graduated in 2000, end of 2017. So I don't know. I I was, you know, not like the, I didn't take the typical American path. Like I, I don't have like a high school diploma. I had gone to Germany, but you know, I left um, high school and went to Germany um, my junior year and really, okay. yeah, that's pretty weird. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. That's interesting. It's really yeah. crazy. Um, well, where does this attraction with Germany, I guess, comes, uh, where does it come from? Well, um, I met my husband on chat roulette. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's, that's definitely interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've never heard of people actually meeting on chat roulette in any kind of I guess, uh, meaningful way. I mean, I wasn't really, I was young. So I, we both like my husband, and I both weren't like, you know, 
seeking out somebody. It was more just for fun. And Chet Roulette was uh-huh. really young and, you know, not full of creepers at that point. No, I remember using <laughs> Chet Roulette to, like, have fun. But, yeah, it's 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 really funny. Um, so you met your husband on Chet Roulette, and he is from Germany, I imagine. Right, yeah. Okay. And then you moved there. Right. Then, you know, it was, like, back and forth. We would visit each other, and then eventually it was just, like, I guess we'll just get married because we want to be together. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we were probably going to get married anyway. So, um, yeah, we did that. And then I moved to Germany and I lived here for a while. And then I kind of got homesick, I guess, and wanted to keep going to a school where it was all English because I still wasn't very confident in my German at that point. I mean, German is so complicated, too. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah. It's so complicated. And I honestly, I went on chat roulette because I wanted to talk to somebody from France because I was taking French then, but I met a German. So it all it all just really didn't go the way I thought. But it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's really cool. I mean, that's like a really cool meeting story (laughs) it's really crazy but now i'm back here again so back in germany so so did you grow up in kind of like a creative household or i'm trying to get a sense of whether you were drawing already when you were young or oh yeah like i never really imagined being anything else like i know (laughs) it sounds really corny and you know people always are like oh i i was drawing since i you know was three years old or whatever, but it's just, it's just true for me. Like, and I've always been very self-aware of, I don't know who I am and what I like to do. And I just never really imagined doing anything else. Like if somebody would talk about me, they'd be like, Oh, Haley, she's good at drawing. And that's just what she's going to do. I, yeah, I wasn't sure exactly, even not until I went to college, what I was going to do to make money exactly. But you know, and to answer the other part, like, it was definitely like a creative household. Like my, my parents never really told me that I couldn't do something. And mm-hmm. I feel really lucky to say that. But um, yeah, like if I wanted to take an art class or something, my mom found a way to pay for it, you know, and, and really supported me. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So they definitely didn't discourage you or because uh, what happens a lot of the time is that kids do draw, but then they stop somewhere in high school because they they start thinking that that's not a, a productive way to spend time, you know. Uh, yeah. And it sounds like for you, it didn't stop. It just kept going. Yeah, right? it definitely just kept going. And yeah, my mom is a recruiter <laughs> or she has been. She's retired now. But um, and my dad was pretty much a landscaper of my life growing up and I feel like I kind of got a lot of my creative side from him and he would always make like really weird things in the front yard and I'd get dropped off in front of my house like on the school bus and people would be like what is that in your front yard I'm like that's clearly a snake my dad made it it was like some steel thing and it was always something crazy but wow. okay so he was like making he was actually making art like yeah definitely I thought you meant like he was landscaping like the front yard in the shape oh, of a snake which no, could be I, cool as well <laughs> no he, yeah and when he mowed the lawn it was always like some interesting like pattern and stuff like I'm just kind of thinking about this now but it's definitely from him I get the creative side yeah yeah that's really cool I want to know when you went 
I guess when you went back to school, when you came back to Rochester and you went back to school, at that point, did you kind of think, oh, I need I need this. um, I need more education to learn the tools because I want to become, you know, an illustrator or was it what was your thinking at the time? I think I definitely felt like you couldn't I couldn't be a fine artist like right out of, you know, just want just wanting to be one like I had to learn some mm. kind of digital skill or something you know more so oh, oh, your ambition was to be a fine artist not not necessarily an illustrator I think that's like my end goal in life is like you know and I kind of it's still now I yeah definitely like okay okay I, yeah I really thought and realized that because I had a professor and he said you know he would like show us editorial illustrations and he brought in magazines and he was a really cool professor and then he would talk about like painters and other people and he's like you know isn't that the coolest thing if you don't have to make something for somebody people want to come to you and just buy your stuff that you just made like it's Mm -hmm. the best thing Mm -hmm. ever and I'm I still think that I think Maybe when I'm old, <laughs> I can be a fine artist then. Do you think that an illustrator can't be that, though? I think I think it really depends on the person. Like, I think there are different kinds of illustrators. But that, but that doesn't mean that that's, like, a rule. It's just, you know, some people are very, like, graphic. Like, they're almost, like, still, like, a graphic designer, which is totally cool, too. Mm-hmm. And then some people have are illustrators, but they have, like, a very like artistic, not not that other people aren't artistic, but they have a very like loose, like typical kind of fine art approach to it. Like they use like, Mm -hmm. you know, traditional materials. And I feel like that could be an easier transition. Mm -hmm. I feel like for me now, if I would try to use traditional materials and post that or something, I think I would confuse my audience. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Yeah. How, I mean, talk more about your style, like, were you drawing like that from the get-go? I imagine there's been a lot of evolution, um, especially while you were going to school, trying out all these other tools, like you mentioned, Adobe software. I know that now you work mostly in Procreate. So how did that kind of take uh, form? I think I just always kind of drew this way like I don't want to say that necessarily but I definitely look back at my old sketchbooks and I just looked at one the other day from college and I thought like it's really very similar to how I draw now but now it's like tighter like it's not so Mm. like loosey-goosey and all over the place like before I was just sketching and now I feel like I picked apart those little things I liked from my sketches then and like refined it somehow Mm-hmm. How do you usually describe your like your style, I guess? I think it's still very loose. Like definitely like compared to your work, your work is like very tight and it's not even like really comparable. Like I feel like mine looks yeah, yeah, like yeah, no. chicken scratch. I think you have you have very <laughs> organic kind of and it's more gestural, I think. Yeah. There's something dynamic and gestural and yeah, like I, I don't know. I think of life drawing and there's something much more lively i think in this way to it yeah no Um, definitely and it feel it also feels like your work is based on observation oh yeah yeah totally like i don't i don't think i draw a lot of things just out of my head like i really have to look at something Mm -hmm. and like if i'm drawing a person i have to like 
either take a picture of myself doing whatever pose or ask yeah I do that too (laughs) yeah I I just can't make stuff up like I mean I could but I would feel like I would see the um the problems with it like proportionately yeah but at the same time I mean your drawings they they feel observational in a very tangible way but they also you have such a particular way of of drawing people because you draw a lot of people but um you have a very particular way of drawing like i i feel like the head is always a little bit bigger um and those sort of things that did, did that did you always draw that way um i think i think those kinds of things are like things you kind of especially with procreate like it's so easy to make things bigger and smaller yeah yeah where like when you're sketching you can kind of have a feel like okay I like to make the eyes dots but how big do I want the head to be and then I feel like that's something like proportions and stuff or something I could feel better when it was so easy to change on procreate yeah when did you kind of start using procreate um well I think the app has been around a long time and I had an i an iPad, like an old one, you know, a long time ago. And I had Procreate on there then. And I think that was in 2012. But they didn't yeah, have okay. the Apple Pencil then. So I would, like, go to the dollar store and get those um, pens that had the, like, touch nibs on the end, you know, that you yeah, could use, like, for your... I know we were talking yeah. about, yeah. <laughs> and, and I would draw with that. And then when the Apple Pencil came out, it was, like, a whole new world for me. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it now it's just so precise. I know what you're talking about those like stylus pens that have those soft nibs, but they're just not they're not at all precise in the same way that the Apple pencil is. It was like kind of like drawing with like a gigantic crayon or something. Yeah. Yeah, it was very like I don't know, it felt kind of clumsy. I remember trying it out too. Uh but yeah, like now it's just so precise there's so many tools that you can use in procreate it's just so amazing the evolution of that of that app definitely yeah for sure so when did it actually start to become uh like such an integral part to your process because i i think you you don't you not only sketch in it but you finish everything in procreate right right um i think i don't know like when i got a new like an ipad pro and an Apple Pencil, I think that's just when I just decided I'm going to just sketch everything first and then finish it, right, and procreate. Like, I still have a sketchbook, but I don't really, like, sketch for a project in it. Mm -hmm. I feel like I have to see it on the iPad to imagine how it's going to look already as a sketch, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. I use it for sketching a lot, so yeah, it makes total sense to me. Yeah. Do you sketch at all on paper? Sometimes. I mean, if someone, like, if I'm on the phone with a client or somebody and they're telling me, like, what they want and I can already picture something, I might, like, scribble it down really quick while I'm talking to them Uh or, you know, something like that if I don't have my iPad open. But, um, I don't know, my sketchbook is more just, like, so every now and then I feel like I'm I'm still using like a real pencil. Like so I still know what it feels like. Yeah. Do you ever get worried that that like procreate I don't know. I there's like a strange relationship that I think every, every illustrator has with those tools. 
it sort of feels like cheating sometimes. I, I don't know if that's the right word, but do you ever have those kind of uh, thoughts about, about about using the app so much? Um, I feel like I did in the beginning. Like I was, I was kind of felt like, I don't know, I, like I'm cheating or something. Um, but now I feel like I see that, especially through all the questions that I get, about how to use procreate that it's such a skill in itself it is yeah um i don't really feel that way i feel like um it's just another tool and you're just i heard something really interesting i had watched a video with david hockney and it, he was you know drawing digitally and he was talking about how even when you're painting it's really just pushing pixels like it's all just pixels like mm -hmm. you're just pushing the colors around or putting marks down and i think I think that's the same like kind of way of thinking with Procreate. Like you're still drawing and you mm -hmm. still have to figure out how to use the tools. Yeah. So I don't really think it's cheating. I don't either. I'm just sometimes I catch myself having those kind of, you know, those kinds of thoughts where you're like doubting yourself or Yeah. And sometimes when I sketch with Procreate, I'm 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 thinking, "Oh, could I sketch this by myself on paper?" Oh, definitely. I, I don't know. Or I see yeah. other illustrators who do you know, just traditional work. Uh -huh. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how, how did they even do that? Because I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even know how to plan something like that. It's just so, uh, there's a lot less stress involved with Procreate because you can move things around, you can erase, you can mask, you can copy paste, you can modify. It's just, you have so many layers. It's just so different. So I want to talk more about the tools you actually use in Procreate because it looks like for you, you have such an interesting mix of textures, and do you, could you tell us a little bit more about what are, what the brushes that you're using are? I don't um, buy any brushes or make any, and mainly because I have looked at buying brushes before, but I don't know that there's so sometimes there's so many like usage rights where I don't really, I wouldn't even know where to begin with them. Like it's too confusing for me. I see. Yeah, and. Um, yeah, I just use the default Procreate brushes. Um, and sometimes I, I mean, most of them that I use, I tweak, like I use the chalk brush and mm. I don't know what it's under calligraphy or inking or something, sketching, but, um, yeah, I use that. And then most of the time I like expand the grain or make it bigger or I don't know what the slider is called. And I turn up the jitter. Oh, you mean like in the in the brush settings? In the settings. Yeah. That's like yeah, usually yeah. what I do because I like it to look a little like grainy. Yeah. Like I don't I can't have like a really hard like pen line. Uh-huh. It's just too harsh. I like it to look like what the brush is, like chalky. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. So you use the chalk brush. Do you use any other any other brushes? Yeah. Um wet acrylic. Yeah. And that one I just all of them I make it able so you can, um, you know, turn up in the general settings, the brush size. Oh, uh, okay. Because otherwise they're just way too small to work with uh -huh. when your canvas is bigger. And, okay, wet acrylic, chalk brush. Oh, the HB uh, pencil. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know plenty of people who, who love that <laughs> one, yeah. The 6B. Yeah, yeah, I like the HB. Uh, I also like the 6B. I know a lot of people who use the 6B as a kind of like colored pencil, which is kind of really cool. Yeah, yeah, I could. Yeah, I totally see it working for that. 
Yeah, yeah, because it's very textured. It's much more textured than the, the HB, I think. Yeah, but it has definitely. this like grittiness. Yeah, so those are the main brushes you use. Yeah, and and I have a sketch brush um, that I like really turned up the jitter for for when I do all of my like first sketches. Like, so it's really soft and light. Yeah, I I want to talk more about your process, but before that, I think it could be kind of interesting to talk about how you first started getting clients because that's something that a lot of illustrators worry about so much. Um, so. Let's go back to when you, I guess you went back to school. Uh, I imagine you had a portfolio by the end of, of school or a little bit after. Or did you have that when when you kind of like uh, went back to school? I don't feel like I had a real like strong portfolio from school. Like I, f- I feel like from when you go to like a community college, they're trying to have you have a portfolio. So you can go to like FIT or like another SUNY school so you can transfer. And that's like what my work was from MCC. But I think I had a website then, but it was mostly stuff I had done on my own. Like nothing was from school. Mm -hmm. Were you reaching out to art directors at the time? I was, but looking back, I probably shouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't know. It, It was definitely, it was definitely like a good way to like put yourself in that mindset like you're working but I just think I really needed to refine a lot of things still so when would you say you actually got to the point where you felt like your work was more refined and you were kind of ready to to start working um I mean I was working anyway like I I graduated and like the next month or something, I got a request from somebody to, it was from a psychologist and she needed some of her new book illustrated. So I did some illustrations in that. And then I kind of had some kind of start then I felt like, okay, maybe I can do this. And then, um, I also had already, um, my German agents then, and I also got a job from them that same month um, after I graduated, and that was for Annabelle magazine in Austria. And um, yeah, that was like my first real job, I think. And that that was like my first really refined, like I put a lot of effort into that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think it so, was then. So you got an agent really early on, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to sound like I was like surprised. I... I had put a lot of effort into like my portfolio that I was sending around. Like I was sending it to a bunch of agencies and they answered me and they were really happy to take me on. So I went with it. Do you remember why, why you were inclined to get an agent at that point? I think it's just because I really didn't know what I was doing and I still don't really know what I'm doing. Did you did you get the advice that you needed an agent in school or or was it just like you wanted to have somebody kind of like covering you and somebody behind you? I don't want to put down the school at all, but I didn't get any advice like that. Like, you know, yeah. I I had a lot of um really great professors, but they just they didn't have the time and that wasn't really like the right um, what do I want to say? Like the right time in college where like, I think they would really give you advice. I think you would get advice like that maybe at like a four-year college. You mean like kind of like the business advice and the like soft skills that you need or? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, they, they really tried to give you advice, like, so you could go work at a graphic design agency somewhere in Rochester, you know, like it wasn't, Mm -hmm. I didn't really get any advice. Like I could freelance or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was more, they really just want to prepare you there to go on to transfer, which is good because that's what a lot of people are there for. But I, I wasn't in the end. After you got your first clients, like you describe in your, in your first month after school, did you keep getting clients consistently or did you find that you had to do more outreach or more um make more efforts to find clients after that I didn't really put I don't think I put a lot of effort into it honestly um I not that I got like you know tons of work coming in but I got like you know every month or something or every couple of months I got something so pretty consistent, yeah. Relatively consistent, but I never really reach out to people because I found that it doesn't really bring me anything. Um, I've sent emails and I get like really nice replies like, oh, I'm a fan and I'll think of you if, you know, I need this and this next time. But I've never had anybody come back around and say, hey, I need you now for this, you know, so. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I mean, it's it could be really hard to know. First of all, if people are serious when they say that, yeah. And then second of all, it, you know they could also just forget and yeah. not remember when they have something, and it's just so uncertain. The biggest piece of advice I've gotten from, like, I guess talking to agents and stuff is that you should do it again and again and again. Basically, keep reminding those people. But to me, that also kind of like sometimes I'm not comfortable because it feels like I'm pestering someone. Yeah, and I'm not super good about that. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It, maybe it works if you're like super consistent with it. I think, yeah, I think you have to be consistent. And I've heard from, you know, some of your other interviews that, you know, people send out like posters. And I think that's more effective. Like, I think you have to send out something like really good that someone will look at and then they'll always see you on the wall. Like, I don't think an email is going to get you anywhere. And just from my experience. Have you ever sent out, like, mailers, uh, like, postcards or anything like that? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I did when I first started. Um, like, when I got out of school, I sent out some postcards to people. But I, I never heard back from anybody. <laughs> from anybody. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, that can be similarly hard to judge if it's effective. Because also... It, it It is conceivable that you would have gotten a job from one of those people off, maybe indirectly from that. I don't know. That's true. That's true. You never know. I think the one thing that I've noticed, and it could just all be coincidence, is that if I follow somebody, like an art director or somebody, and then they see that I'm, I've started following them, I feel like sometimes that leads to something. Uh-huh. I've, I've had like a few jobs from you know, just like liking their pictures, I guess. I don't want to sound creepy, but. No, no. I mean, that doesn't sound creepy to me at all. I mean, I think all illustrators kind of do that on Instagram now. Yeah, I know. It sounds creepy, but what else can you do? Yeah, like, because a lot of art directors are definitely like looking for illustrators on Instagram now. Yeah. It's not on, it's not weird. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's mostly where I get like my, jobs from is from Instagram which is good and then also not good because what happens if Instagram's gone (laughs) well it's not going anywhere but maybe your exposure and stuff they've reduced the amount of organic traffic that we all get a little bit right though I'm not even sure what they did because uh 
I, I can't really tell, but um, yeah. I just go with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, when you look at your Instagram, it seems like you have a very thought out kind of like strategy for, for Instagram, just because you seem to share things very consistently and you share a lot of like process content, which people just generally really like to see from illustrators. Was that all intentional? Like, did you sort of come up with this this kind of approach to Instagram or it has it been kind of more of a spontaneous thing? No, I think some of it's spontaneous, but I definitely think about like, what is my next post going to be? And I even look at like the color of the, like the main color of the previous post. And I'm like, is this going to yeah. look good next? To <laughs> yeah. And I get, so, I don't want to say that like, I get so many questions, but I do get a lot of questions and I really want to answer any of them that I get. So maybe I can help somebody. So I try whenever I can to, you know, put something in my highlight, like, you know, uh, what brushes I use or a tutorial um, or something like that, because um, I I would have liked to known those questions too when I first started using it. Um, so I'm always happy to answer those. So you get a lot of questions about, about your process in particular. Do you get questions about like the business of illustration or being an illustrator or all that stuff? Yeah, I, I get some emails, mostly they're from students and they want to know, you know, how did I start and all kinds of things. I even had somebody ask me if they could be like an apprentice with me. <laughs> and it, that's, and that's I thought cool. it was so sweet, but I, you know, there's no way I could do that. But it's just so, it's it's so um, like refreshing too to like hear what they have to ask because you never really think about it yourself. But that, yeah. those are the, yeah, I definitely get questions like, how'd you get started? And what about having an agent and all kinds of things like that? When did you start actually sharing like these videos of your process? Was that something you did from very early on or? Yeah. Um, I like the um, time-lapse you mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah like time-lapse of your process. Cause you just like, you post a lot of time-lapses of, of like, in fact, when you post an illustration, you usually have a swipe through to a time-lapse, right? Yes. Yeah. So I always, if I can, and it's, you know, an interesting time lapse, sometimes yeah. I draw like a bunch of other weird things before I like start drawing what I'm really going to draw. I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I have to like cut it and stuff. But um, no, I always try to add the time lapse just because I think it, I feel like you have to give some kind of value too for people to want to like come back to your page or like appreciate it. And it's yeah. also when it's digital, I think it's really interesting to see that somebody really like sat down and drew it. Like it didn't just appear because it's digital. Yeah. You know, like it's interesting, I think, for people to see the process. Yeah. And there's something so satisfying about watching uh, time lapse, especially appropriate time lapse, because the app, they really understand what it's meant for, I think. Yeah. And and the time-lapse is a great example of that. It's just incredibly shareable, and it's really nice to to be able to watch somebody work from start to finish like that. Um, yeah. I don't know. There's something so satisfying about it. Yeah. I, I was watching a time-lapse um, the other day, and I was like, oh, my gosh, that's so interesting how they went about doing this. And 
I just think it's really helpful too, like for your own process to like refresh it too, if you want to look at what other people do. Do you ever use like Photoshop or anything like that for retouching or for like finishing up your illustration? Um, I think when I first started, um, I definitely used Photoshop more because I was doing a lot of um, ink drawings, like single kind of object drawings just to get a feel for like what I want to do with illustration. So I definitely had used it then, but now I don't use Photoshop at all. Sometimes if I want to make like a animation or something really quick, but now Procreate has an animation tool. I really don't, I really don't need Photoshop. That's right. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I want to talk more about your process, but when you sketch, like, do you have usually like a reference image or, or do you do it just like from life? Because you were, we were talking earlier about how you, you really like to draw from observation. Yeah, I always have, I always have a reference. Um, I, I don't know. I, I like to look back at old pictures and then sometimes I like zoom in and there's a person in there and I draw the person or, um, I don't know, like a beach scene or something. And I draw the beach and make it kind of abstract. And But um, I never draw somebody exactly how they are in the picture. I usually just use them for a pose or something. How how long does it usually take you from like the sketch to the finish illustration? I mean, I know that's a difficult question to answer because there are different challenges with each piece. But Well, for personal work, um, there's a feature too on, the, um, on Procreate where you can see how long it took you to draw something. And really? Like, yeah. It's in um, I didn't know that. Canvas and then statistics, Canvas Info statistics. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And um, lately it's been around like an hour to three hours. But it's it's really completely different when I'm like doing the, the illustration for somebody. Well, yeah, because you have to go through like rounds of like sketches, back and forth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's ours. One of the things that instantly drew me to your work was like, first of all, the texture uh, and the way you draw people, but also like the colors. You have such a, it, your your color palettes are very unique to you. I think they're, and they're incredibly nice. Like oh, they just you. have this warm kind of muted feeling. I don't know. And the one thing that I noticed you doing in a lot of your Procreate uh, time lapses actually is putting like a, I don't know how you call it, but uh, I, I usually call it like a floodlight. Like it's like a layer of color that you put on top and mm -hmm. you put on a blend mode. And I've noticed you doing that. Yeah. Is that is that a is that something you always do? Pretty much always. Like I feel I feel like it just gives it some kind of harmony like to all the colors. It does. Yeah, I do that too. And I, I do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, t I tend to do it in some way or another. Maybe sometimes it's very subtle, but I, I like to put a color on. Uh, I use Photoshop, so I usually put a color on top and um, I change the blend mode to like something like overlay or color. Depends on the... What color do you usually use? It really depends on the piece. But I also use a paper texture that has a slight yellow tinge to it. So that also affects it. I don't remove the yellow because I like that. I, I that yeah. also harmonizes it. But sometimes I use a weird purple, and for some reason it makes the blacks look a little bit like nicer to like me. Like crushed black. 
that yeah. Weird? yeah. 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 I see that. I'm looking at your page. But it really depends. Sometimes I use a really weird color. I try out a bunch of different ones because there's really no way. I, I can't tell before I do it if it's going to work or not. Yeah. If that makes sense. I don't know. No, it totally makes sense. I, I don't think I have like a set of colors that I use for. I usually like I usually put it on. What is it called? I don't know. Multiply or. For your other colors, do you have like palettes that you go back to or. Yeah, I have palettes I go back to, but um, I never I never stick to those either. Like, yeah, somehow then it all kind of looks like the same color palette. But I think I just try to choose like very earthy kind of colors. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, maybe in the future I'll change and, you know, I'll draw just everything in bright neon colors. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But right now I, I don't. I don't think you'll do that. Probably, no. <laughs> yeah. It wouldn't go with me at all. Yeah. But do you remember how it started? I guess kind of like how your use of color kind of evolved over time. Did did you always kind of use these colors or did you kind of shift? Did you get inspiration from other people and kind of like build palettes that way? Or how did the palettes kind of come into being? Um, I think, yeah, definitely from looking at other people. I mean, everybody does that now with Instagram. Right, yeah, yeah. We can all say we don't, but we all do. Like, <laughs> No, no, we all do. And it's not, I, I think there's nothing wrong with doing no. that. Um, as long as you're like not copying, the you know, style. somebody's work. Yeah. Right, yeah. As far as getting agents, is that something you recommend to people? I think it depends on the person and how, how comfortable they are talking to somebody about money and um, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I'm a very anxious person <laughs> and mm-hmm. I don't, so am I. <laughs> and I really have like, if I see an email comes in from somebody, I'm really happy about it, but I'm also like really grateful that I have somebody who I can talk to about it. I couldn't imagine doing it like by myself, like not being able to be like, what do you think of this? Is this something I should do? Is how much do I charge? Like, I know there are great um, tools, like um, the Association of Illustrators. Uh, I joined Yeah, that. in the UK. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have, like, a pricing tool. But you can't really just go off of that. I think having an agent really makes you realize, like, how much you're worth. And I don't know if I would have known that if I didn't have, like, at first the agents in um, Germany to, like, really give me an idea. Yeah. What you're saying is that they usually typically price much higher than a person pricing themselves yeah definitely if you're starting out i mean i'm sure there's illustrators that they know what they're doing and they they charge you know what what they're worth that don't have an agent but i think if you're just starting out you like could really underestimate yourself it's just so hard also to even when you've gotten a few jobs it's hard to it's hard to price uh yourself um and especially in illustration, there isn't a standard in any kind of way because every job is so different. Yeah. Uh, every client is so different. And it's just, yeah. And I definitely see a lot of potential abuse. I mean, there's just some prices that I see out there on Twitter or whatever that got quoted are outrageous, like <laughs> like $50 for 10 illustrations. That's crazy. But to know that that's out there and that there are people starting out that could potentially be taken advantage of is kind of scary. 
Yeah, and, and it really sets a bad tone for everybody else. It, it gives those, I think it gives those brands and companies the idea like they can, like that's the normal pricing. Definitely. It's so crazy that like sometimes you get, you know, requests and they're like, you know, you really have to contemplate each one. Like, do I want to do it? It doesn't pay well. Do I want to like give in to them and do it anyway? But it's a really cool job or for a really cool magazine or it's it's difficult because that's just the way it is. And you have to like kind of play along. <laughs> do you now that you have like two agents because you have one in Germany and one then handles the rest of the world, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's in the UK. They're in the UK. Yeah. Do you leave all, all the negotiation and pricing up to them? Yeah, definitely. Like, um, they, they ask me first, you know, how do you feel about this or that? And they're always really, um, it's always above what I would, like, estimate myself. So I, <laughs> yeah. I, I would say, like, it's worth it then in that case to have an agent. Cause, but then once, once you do a few jobs with them, you kind of have an idea. Like, okay, they asked this much for this job with this company. I'm guessing the next one's going to be, like, this, blah, blah, blah. You know, so it kind of, you kind of learn, too, as you go with them. Do you think as far as self-promotion, it really helps to have an agent? I think you get different kinds of clients depending on where they found you. So like if they find you from like the clients I get from my German agency are ones that I probably would have never like come to me like directly. And I would never know who these people are because they're from like an agency or something. And how can you know? Like, I feel like that's very difficult to know who's working at an agency that you'd want to contact. Yeah, because there are some people that just don't handle the type of work that you would want. And it it gets tricky, definitely. Yeah, so I feel like having an agent then, they kind of know, like, different people or different companies and agencies, like, ad agencies know, like, to go to their website and look for people if they need something. You know, whereas somebody who finds me on Instagram, they might, that's more like editorial or something. And they find it and they think, um, I'm guessing that's what they think. I don't know. But I think they look at my stuff and then they like it. And then they say, if I have a project for her, I'll keep her in mind. And then they contact me later. I think that's what happens. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. I, I And I think for a lot of editorial work, I mean, having an agent is by no means a requirement. Because no, no. so many art directors are on Instagram. So many of them even encourage illustrators to get in touch and share their portfolios. It's not as closed off as you would think as an as a kind of industry. No, you can yeah. definitely get in touch with art directors uh, who work at magazines and newspapers. Oh. They might not answer, of course. But. No, yeah, but definitely. I mean, no, you don't like you don't need an agent to get work. I think where it really makes sense, though, is with more commercial projects. And like you were saying, like a lot of ad agencies, it's very hard to get in touch with the right people or for them to even know about you. Right. How much of your work would you say comes through your agents as opposed to commissions that you just get off of Instagram? I haven't I haven't really thought about that lately, but I would say a lot of my work recently has come from my agents. And, you know, if somebody contacts me, and they don't go directly to my agent first, I tell them about it and I, you know, forward them the email and say, look, I got this email, I request. Oh, so you don't, you don't take on clients by yourself usually? 
No, I, I usually always ask my agents, depending on where the, what country they come from, the client, if they can help me with it. Do you have any other kind of uh, online presence besides Instagram and your website? I have, I have a Society6 shop. I, sometimes I have people, they tell me they found me through that. Which is kind really? of cool. Yeah, I That's know. Cool. That's really shocking to me too. As far as like your income, does that really help? I would say it pays for maybe my insurance every month. So it's not like crazy profit, but it's uh, right. something that might help a little bit. Yeah. It helps a little bit. It's not like, I couldn't say it's like a third of my income, or which is totally not. It's like a very small percentage. Do you promote that very heavily or do you find that it just kind of drives itself? I have a really hard time like promoting stuff. It makes me really uncomfortable like to uh, yeah. say, hey, I have something for sale. I don't know why. I understand that. Yeah, I think a lot of people can relate to that. Um, like I also have a Patreon, but I never talk about it because <laughs> it's like, especially now, like in these times, I don't even talk about it. But, you know, it's, <laughs> it's like I don't want to be like, hey, I... Have a page, you know, it just seems so awkward for me to. I don't know, I don't but think I, it's awkward sometimes, like maybe once a week, I'll post on my story that I have prints. Like, if there's a sale on Society Six, I'll post about that because I feel like I'm giving something to people. Like, hey, there's a sale, there's a reason for me to talk yeah. about it, but if not, I'm just kind of quiet. It's on my website as a link. I don't know, yeah. Yeah, I notice you have a Patreon, and I don't think there's any shame in it, especially if no. you know that you're giving people something valuable for what they're giving you. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's just like a little like PDF kind of thing where I explain like one drawing I did that month, and I write down the brushes I used. and So you give more insight into your process, basically, to yeah. people who who follow you, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. Do you, have you ever thought about scaling that more, like? Yeah, I don't know, because I hear a lot of people who are actually using Patreon or something similar, and it can really provide a nice little supplement for people, especially in a freelance position like we are. It's so uncertain. And so any kind of supplements like that are really actually kind of nice. Yeah, I've thought about that. Um, that I think that's, well, I know it's my, my next kind of plan is that I really want to do more um, you know, like a YouTube video or something explaining what I'm doing. I think you would be great also on maybe on something like Skillshare, which is, yeah, I think fantastic for 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 illustrators because it's just it, it's a great way to share knowledge. And um, there's also just so many ways to share them for free and still get some kind of a kickback. Right. Yeah, I thought about Skillshare. But I, th I think ultimately I'll probably end up with YouTube because I like the idea that someone wouldn't have to pay for it. Um, I kind of, I really feel, I really believe that you have to like give something to, to be able to get something back online. You know, like it's I worth it to give some free information. If you could talk to illustrators who are starting out today or, you know, creatives of any kind, really, what would you tell them? Like, what, what advice would you give to them? I think that the first thing I would say is to keep a sketchbook so you can always look back and look at how you evolved and to just draw what you like and how you like to do it. And don't try not to look at anyone else. Do you think people should be less maybe strategic 
uh, in the sense that they should worry less about how it's going to sell. Definitely. Yeah. Don't worry about what other people like if you see somebody who's successful and or they appear to be successful. Like, don't think that you have to be like them or do what they're doing. Yeah. You know, everyone says try to be unique, but I really think that's important to just keep your head down. Don't look at anyone else. It's so hard with Instagram. Do you listen to you said you listen to podcasts like what what podcasts do you listen to typically? Um, all kinds. I listen to some German podcasts. I listen uh-huh. to, uh, there's one called Podcast UFO. Uh-huh. About UFOs? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> they talk about literally nothing. Just uh-huh. whatever comes to their head, I think. I don't know. Um, it's just, I have to listen to something. Or, um, I feel like I can't work otherwise. Like, even now, I'm, like, doodling while I'm, like, talking. <laughs> um yeah, I can't think of anything else right now. I know I listen to a lot of other podcasts, but I listen to this podcast. Oh, that's nice. Do you listen to music or always kind of like more like podcasts or audiobooks? Um, I listen, I have to be honest, I, I listen to Harry Potter audiobooks over and over again. Oh, I totally get that. It, they're really comforting. It's comforting. And I have um, Mad Men on like constantly. Oh, you mean on the TV? Yeah, like on my computer. I like to have that on because I don't have to, it's like an audiobook. I don't have to look at it to know what's going on because I've seen it so many times. I, I totally understand. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like a song. Do you have like a dedicated workspace or do you kind of just move around? I have um, a room in our apartment uh, dedicated just for me, for all my art stuff. That's nice. Um, yeah. And I I have a desk and I try to work at it as much as I can but some days I I just don't feel like coming in here as terrible as it is and I just sit on the couch and draw or something or I mean that's kind of like one of the perks is that you know you don't always get working but if you do you can do it comfortably (laughs) well thank you so much for your time and for being on it was really lovely to talk to you yes thank you so much this was really fun And that was my conversation with Haley Tippman. Haley, thanks again for letting me into your process and for being so open about your path. If you would like to learn more about any of the things we mentioned in this conversation, please head over to our website at illustrationhour.com forward slash Tippman. In closing, I'd like to wish you a safe and hopefully creative week.